Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hi everyone, welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins. Not in the mobile studio today, I'm at home, but... I won't let that detract from the quality of the production. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining me again as we dissect some more Dexter. And a special welcome to any new listeners who are joining the ride. I note from podcast download numbers that, that numbers continue to increase this season, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm so pleased. It really helps. It really helps drive me onwards. I, I'm sure I've said said before it really humbles me that so many of you seem to find something of worth in my <laughs> my incoherent ramblings and, and waffling <laughs> um if this is your first dissecting dexter podcast that you've listened to then uh, i hope you'll enjoy it enough to stick around and, and stay with us for the rest of the season we do have a lot of fun week on week talking about the episodes and speculating about what might happen and we have a few laughs along the way, or I do anyway, I don't know about you guys. <laughs> uh, okay, um, not a great deal of news this week, um, except that I did have a bit, of a, a bit of an exchange with one of the writers, Scott Reynolds, on Twitter uh, since the last episode. He posted something uh, that said, um, well not something, it was a tweet. <laughs> he posted a tweet, and, and I quote, it said... Another day spent trying to figure out season 8 of Dexter. Sometimes this ain't easy. So I replied to this and said, Is the writing team planning season 8 on the assumption it's the final season? And I was quite surprised that he came back and said yes. Surprised because Showtime's David Nevins has never come out and said, This is it. Season 8 is definitely the end. About extending beyond season 8, he's been more along the lines of not ruling it out. I queried this fact with Reynolds and he said maybe Showtime like to keep their cards close to their chest. Which may mean he's suggesting Showtime just wanted to keep us guessing, or that they were keeping options open. But it sounds now like the writers definitely have their mandate and next year when season 8 airs, we'll be watching Dexter's conclusion. And if this is the case, then creative must have agreed it was showtime. So, I'll be sad to see Dexter go. I'll miss it. But so far, with season 7 going so well, it feels like the show's in its ascendance again. And it'll be great for Dexter to bow out next year on a high, even if the ending itself is downbeat. Now, going back to what Scott Reynolds said, that... They're starting, or the implication there's <laughs> that they're starting work on season eight of Dexter. Now, he doesn't say there whether the writer's room has returned to work, but maybe he's just mulling over a few ideas in preparation for the writer's room uh, reconvening. Um, but it ties in with the fact that there is a story out there that they are going to start filming season eight in February which is quite exceptionally early. They usually start filming around the end of May for a late September start. 
But I did hear that the writers' room was going to get back together again in November. So, hey, maybe Reynolds is just jotting down a few ideas about things, well, suggestions and ideas for, for the final season. Maybe he's got some specific plot points to uh, figure out, maybe some milestones to, to come up with. But if they're starting filming in February, if that is true, why could that be? Could it be that season eight is going to be on television sooner than the end of September? Have they had to shift filming scheduling for budgetary reasons or for scheduling reasons for Michael C. Hall, perhaps? Maybe he's got something else coming up that he he wants to do. Would they shift the whole production for that? I know he's obviously the key player, but you know they're paying him a lot of money. You'd have thought he would fit in with Showtime's uh, standard filming schedule. So that plays into another theory that's out there, that maybe the final season is going to run for longer than the usual 12 episodes, and that starting in February allows them to allows them that extra time to film say three or four extra episodes interesting food for thought okay well let's move on to this week's episode which i for one am very keen to talk about let's crack on shall we it's season seven episode four called run original air date 21st of october 2012 written by wendy west and directed by john dahl West and Dahl are the partnership who brought us one of my favourite Dexter episodes, Hungry Man, a fact that I am I do tend to point out from time to time, as long-term listeners will attest to. OK, let's crack on with the review. Here we go. begin by saying I really really enjoyed this episode it had so many of the elements that we've always loved about the show dark Dexter darkly funny Dexter action Deb and Dexter discussing important stuff a kill of the week Dexter in jeopardy multiple interesting bad guys a good scene with Batista let me add plot development and key moments for the series as a whole and apart from a cameo from Dokes you've got all the ingredients for a perfect episode I really did enjoy it that much now I'm not sure how to approach my review this week I I can usually segment the storylines reasonably well but actually everything was connected and perhaps that's a feature of the season everything is connected back to Dexter in some way And that's a very, very good thing. Seasons past, we've we've had the Dexter stuff and then the case of the season for Miami PD and the two either barely meet up or just don't meet up at all in any important way. There's Santa Muerta killings springing to mind for starters. And this is one of the other reasons why I think this season is so exciting, apart from Deb's discovery and the development there. Everything is connected back to Dexter, even Quinn's stuff, what he does with that stripper. It, it could have a bearing on Isaac getting close to Dexter. So, let me do my best. <laughs> the big arc, again, this week, was Deborah and Dexter, wondering if they can ever be close again. 
The opening with her strange dream made me immediately think she'd be asking about Rita very soon. But with Dexter coming in and asking, will you be mine? It had me wondering if maybe they've not completely dropped the Deb in love with Dexter thing. But I welcomed the questioning back in the alley of symbolism, asking about Rita. We'd been expecting it, and of course we're still expecting some questions about Dokes, but clearly they're stretching out the, how shall I put it, the (laughs) interrogation (laughs) over, they're spreading it over several episodes, and I don't mind that. Things are naturally occurring to her as she goes along. And it was great hearing Dexter tell her about having been a step ahead of the police with Trinity, And rightly, Deb brings up the fact that she's realised she's been lied to so much over the years. She's (laughs) she's in a tough spot, isn't she? Dexter tells her he loves her, which might have been a huge landmark had Deb not been having such a massively hard time getting her head around all this. And so it makes little or no impression on her. It's natural for Dexter, of course, he's spent his whole life like this, living with his darkness while keeping his mask in place. Dex made a valid point when he said she'd never questioned how he felt about her before. Why should his feelings be any different now? You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Email your feedback to dissectingdexter at gmail.com Blood. Sometimes it sets my teeth on edge. So as the episode goes on, Speltzer is used very effectively in two ways, and it was nice to see him back. First, he was used as a terrific kill of the week, but also as a means of stirring up Deb and drawing her in. This storyline also gave David Zayas a nice scene in the interview room as Batista laid the groundwork for Deb to then come in for the kill, so to speak. Good performance by Zayas, a terrific, brooding, mostly silent performance from Matt Gerald as Speltzer, and then more wonderful stuff from Jennifer Carpenter, who continues to bring her A-game this season. Who knew Speltzer had mummy issues? (laughs) Bit touchy, wasn't he? But, of course, Speltzer ends up being released and falling right into Dexter's code, perfectly. Only catching him doesn't prove easy. I really loved how we were reminded that Dexter is not a perfect killing machine. Speltzer was physically stronger, and although Dexter has a few nice moves, Speltzer's sheer strength won out, and we got that fascinating sequence in a new maze. I also liked here how they didn't opt for the horror movie cliché of the slow-moving killer, Michael Myers style, the unstoppable killer who doesn't need speed. In fact, the boiler suit worn by Speltzer reminded me of Myers, but here Speltzer went tearing off down the corridor after Dexter, and I like that touch. The mannequin room seemed a bit cliché, but did a nice dizzying job of disorientating us and Dexter. And I like Dexter using his head thinking himself out of the situation to break through the wall of the maze to find a way out. And then there was the bit at the funeral, and Deb feeling her own rage at Speltzer when he showed up gloating. Way to wind up Deb, my friend. (laughs) The writers were obviously trying to set Deb up, push her buttons, 
get her in a place where she might be more open to the idea of accepting Dexter kill this guy. And it seemed to work, but not right away. The scene at her place when Dexter came to check on her. I love the moment when she's saying she wanted to kill Speltzer. Dexter sort of twitches into a smile just slightly. <laughs> it made me laugh, and you could have predicted Deb's fuck you response. <laughs> but Dexter's there genuinely to see if she's okay. He's still her brother, he still cares about her welfare, and like she says, or rather like he says, all that's changed is she knows more about him. Okay, it's just a <laughs> it's just a pretty big thing she's found out. And to her, he's now a different person, but he rightly points out that he's the same person he's always been. He was still a killer before the church. All those years he'd been there for a for her as her brother and best friend. They both have a fair point, really. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Is that serious shit? <laughs> the Speltzer kill scene was pretty memorable. Dexter moving away from his usual MO, from his traditional ritual. No shrink wrap, no blood slide. In fact, we saw him burn the blood slide box with Speltzer in a kind of symbolic cremation. Is that symbolic of him moving on in some way? Or just that he's seen Deb's point about keeping trophies and he wants to show, even in this fairly tenuous way, that he's not like all the people he targets. I say tenuous because I'm sure he'll still kill. <laughs> That's not going to stop. But the exchange between Dex and Speltzer was great. I love those moments when Dexter goes bananas, <laughs> mimicking Speltzer like he's some kind of uncouth gorilla. I thought for a moment that Dexter was going to burn Speltzer alive, but then he rammed a stake in his chest like a vampire. And to my surprise, Deb rolls up outside, and more surprising, it's because Dex called her to come there. And he shows her the smoke billowing from Speltzer's inferno, billowing out of the crematorium chimney. Did you do this for me? What does that make me? Human. Mesmerizing. Such great delivery from Hall and Carpenter there. For me, a highlight of the season so far, and possibly the series, Deb gets a truly eye-opening insight into her brother's mindset, his motivation and the thrill he feels after a kill. It's not the same for her, of course, 
not not even close, I don't think, but she gets this positive feeling from knowing Speltz is gone at her brother's hand. But I'm glad Dexter was honest and said he didn't actually do it for her, because we know full well why he kills, but Deb's glad Speltz is dead and it obviously confuses her, understandably. And when she asked Dexter what that makes her, I knew he'd say human. There was no other response. But that he said that to Deb, can he take something from that himself? That that maybe he's more human than he realises? Yeah, what a fantastic ending to an episode. And that's really the crux of this episode. But other stuff did happen. Let's just quickly go through that. We got a bit of Harrison this week. First, I was happy to hear Dexter say he'd got Jamie to watch him so he and Deb could maybe grab a drink. But then they went further than that. And they had the chat by the cars. Deb making some good points. Points that we'd brought up on the podcast. Dexter not being the perfect father. Harrison not being in a very good environment. Rita dying because of Dexter's selfishness. Deb's absolutely right, and it touched a very raw nerve with Dexter. He's hung up on the notion that he and Harrison share this bond of being born in blood. I suppose Dexter gets this channeled vision from Harry. And he does see Harrison as a sort of positive tether. Dexter's so self-assured, so overconfident, and we all know that cost him Rita. It nearly cost him Deb last week. We also know, although Dexter doesn't yet, that the Ukrainians are after him now. But it's not too late for Harrison. We know that. The truth hurts, doesn't it? (laughs) And I loved how the darkness came over him. Just briefly, his expression changed. His voice sort of dropped for a moment. It's more great, subtle work from Hall there. Wonderfully, wonderfully portraying the moment as... He, as he then realises his dark passenger is peeping through in that moment, he takes a breath and suppresses it again. Later, there's a scene with Harrison at the apartment. Jamie's been going through old toys and stuff and chucking some of it out. And it, it's painfully obvious that Dexter doesn't know his own son as well as he thought he did. He holds that toy, that, what did he call it, Lammy. <laughs> A toy that he thought Harrison couldn't go to sleep without. And Jamie says he's not really done that for about a year. A year? Hasn't he put Harrison to bed in a year? I'm sure we've seen him go and see Harrison in bed in that time. Haven't we? A year. And then he held the same toy in his arm and mentioned how small he was. And that kind of moved me a little bit because when he sort of measured that distance between the palm of his hand and the crook of his elbow, that is pretty small. And my eldest son, when he was he was born two months premature, and he was he was probably a bit he was he was smaller than that. So that moved me a bit. But Dexter, in that moment, was that a tinge of regret? There, a hint of a hint of sentimentality, if that's the right word. And when he's seeing Harrison out, he picks him up, but Harrison doesn't put his arms around him. 
Now, when I pick up one of my kids, and any parents listening, I'm sure it's the same with you, it's almost instinctive. They put their arms around you, don't they? They put their arm around you. They sort of cuddle you back. It's just natural, yet here, with Dexter and Harrison, there's no hint of affection from Harrison towards his dad, even when he's talking directly to him. Now, I don't know whether that's deliberate by the show or just that the child actor is understandably very young, of course, and doesn't have that natural relationship with Hall. But even if that was the case, it lent itself very effectively to illustrating the lack of closeness here between father and son. It's so sad and heartbreaking. Dexter's darkness has caused this. The nanny knows his own son better than he does. He likes to think he's there for his son, but he really isn't. Being there for your offspring isn't about just being there for the big occasions. It's the little things too. Just just, just spending time nurturing, just being a parent. It's so natural and obvious to the rest of us. <laughs> and it's probably obvious to those of us who those amongst you listening who aren't parents it's obvious (laughs) but it's just not been there for these two and it's such a shame all in the name of the dark passenger god damn it ah dear so that's harrison and it's not very often we we get to sort of talk in any great depth about harrison is it but there we are it's all good well, no, it's not good. It's very sad. <laughs> but it's uh, it's good to have something meaty to talk about with him. Let's move on to Hannah. We had one scene with her this week, and it was interesting. Dexter's comment about her legs, showing he really has noticed her attractiveness. <laughs> the conversation didn't pull any surprises, but served, I think, just to start to establish a kind of rapport between them something they'll no doubt build on as the season progresses. The highlight of the scene was Hannah remembering how she felt like anything was possible, a feeling Dexter's never shared. All he's known is his darkness nagging at him to kill again. He's been resigned to it, and any hopes he had of something better have always been squashed. Hey, Gary, change Batista. How are you, man? This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. Keep up to date with the show on Twitter. Follow at Dissect Dexter. I'm still enjoying watching Ray Stevenson as Isaac. They made it very obvious this week that his relationship with Victor was more than just being in the Brotherhood. The inference is that they might have been lovers. I think if they were actually just related blood relations it would have been mentioned in those moments when isaac's got defensive about him he was a cold bastard setting up that innocent barman it reminded me of trinity getting that woman to jump to her death in order to protect her family back in season four so isaac got the barman to shoot himself to protect his i would question whether isaac would follow through with his promise to send them money But he's so disarmingly charming when he wants to be. Maybe his character is a bit cliché. But Stevenson's performance is really watchable, so I'm okay with it. 
the homosexual connotation that they seem to be laying out there adds something to the storyline. Of course, he's identified Dexter now and wants to see him, to meet him, to talk to him, before killing him, presumably. I was amused by Quinn in the raid on the club, trying to be coy about whether he's seeing Nadia. There was a new detective in this scene, who we saw later as well, with lines, so maybe she's not just a background extra. The African-American woman. I don't think they gave her a name, so we'll see if she pops up again, but I found it interesting they brought in a new speaking part. I guess if he'd been around, Mike Anderson would have had those lines. I did love Quinn's delivery when she said, is dating a stripper a good idea? And he goes, no, it's a horrible idea. <laughs> Classic Quinn. And hats off to him for turning down the offer of a bribe. Quinn of old might have entertained that idea. Although, to be fair, internally, maybe he was entertaining the idea. But there wasn't a hint of it there. I liked Batista demonstrating canny detective skills and not buying the barman's suicide. We've got some feedback coming up about this, so we'll talk more about that in a minute. Overall, this was a really terrific episode. So much going on and all solid stuff, and that was without any mention at all of LaGuerta's investigation into the Bay Harbour Butcher. We've got all that stuff still to come, and it ensures I'm still really excited for the rest of the season. And I didn't miss Lewis. As much as I enjoyed theorising about him, and as much as I like Josh Cook, his departure may have been for the best. People like Lewis do exist in real life, and not everyone on Dexter has to turn out to be a serial killer. The show intrigued us with Lewis, and then pulled a fast one on us. He was just a childish guy who was upset about his game. It was all laid out there for us. He sent the ice truck killer hand just to freak Dexter out. And this week, Scott Reynolds confirmed it on Twitter. There was something off about him, but no more than that. And I can buy it. I'm OK with it. We had our fun talking about him, and now we can move on. Listener Feedback Alright, let's go through your feedback. I do have a little bit from in-between episodes to go through. Uh, one or two pieces of feedback that just missed the boat from last getting on last week's show. Uh, and we do have a lot for this week's episode to go through, so I'll not waste too much time. I do just want to make a quick mention, and, and thanks really to some new iTunes reviewers who have very kindly put up five-star reviews and said a few kind words on iTunes. It does help the podcast. It does improve our positioning on iTunes when people search for Dexter. So thanks very much to the following. Candy Lies, Ace Age, Joe Bear from Boston, Courtney Fatita, Wormwood, Humboldt Chip, Carrie Kelleher, Liss1979 and Victoria Check. Victoria was uh, very nice to call her review I Love You, which was very kind. Uh, she also asked what other shows I podcast about. Um, Regular listeners will know that I've plugged my other podcast multiple times before, so bear with me for 
20 seconds while I do it again. <laughs> um, I don't do any other podcasts that are specifically about any other show. I do sometimes contribute to other podcasts like the um, Behind the Cutting Edge Breaking Bad edition. Um, but I do my own podcast called Gareth's Waste of Time where for the most part I go through and talk about some of the other shows that I watch and enjoy. I certainly don't dissect them like I do Dexter. It's it's a much more sort of superficial chit-chat about stuff I'm watching. Stuff about films as well and, and sometimes other topics come up and I have a bit of a rant about or just things that have amused me or sort of jumped out at me for whatever reason. I had an episode dedicated to talking about camping, for example. Um, so check that out if you're interested in hearing about some of the other shows I talk about. Unfortunately, The Waste of Time has had to go on hiatus while Dex is airing because I just do not have time to <laughs> to work on any other podcasts while I'm focusing on uh, the current season of Dexter. But The Waste of Time will hopefully return in January. That was a bit more than 20 seconds, wasn't it? Uh, OK, let's <laughs> let's move on. Thanks, everybody, for your iTunes reviews. Um, I do appreciate it, and it does help. Let's go on to a voicemail from Casper in Denmark, who has this to say. Hi, Gareth. It's Casper again, uh, talking about the latest episode of Dexter. Um, Fuck the system. Uh, I think it was a very good episode. Uh I mean, the the first three episodes have been really very good. Um, a lot of things, really, very a lot of things going on. I mean, the first two episodes mainly have consisted of uh, Dexter and Deb's story, but this time we really got it kicked off with with a lot of storylines, um, which I think was great. I mean, I think again the dynamic between Deborah and and Dexter was is really working well um unfortunately uh we lost lewis as i as i know you <laughs> also uh, think was was a mistake maybe but uh yeah i can see kind of how he had to go because there are a lot of storylines going on right now i mean we had we had isaac story uh we had uh, deborah Dexter's story. We had uh, Laguerta maybe opening the the case. Uh, I mean, uh, we have uh, Dexter's uh, kill of the week. Well, he didn't get him killed this time, but I'm sure he will track him down later in the in the season. So we had a lot of things going on, and uh, maybe that was the reason why they killed Lewis off. I think it's it's uh, a shame. Uh, I mean, I think uh, he. I like I like the character. I think he could have been uh, a great uh, uh, adversary for for Dexter. But uh, in the context of of the the masters uh, finding him at the boat uh, and treading him, treading him and uh, getting the uh, information out of him. They wouldn't let him go, of course. I mean, we know the the, the mob, uh, the gangsters, they no loose ends, so he had to go. But I think it was a, a shame. Um, I really like, uh, yeah. Well, another another uh, great thing about the episode was uh, um, the introduction of uh, what's her name, Ivan Strahovski, I think her name is. Uh, 
the new uh, the character of uh, Hannah McKay, I think her name was. Um, <coughs> I can't th- say anything bad about that. Uh, and um, happy to see uh, Dexter <laughs> feeling the same way. Um, was that love? He, he when he looked at her, or what was that? I mean, maybe he was uh, he saw a killer in her eyes. I don't know, but uh, he there was definitely some uh, some feelings there from Dexter's side. Um, but. Uh, Definitely gonna see more to them, Dexter and uh, and and Hannah in the future, and and again that's another um, storyline they're planning out. Um, so a lot of things going on in this episode. I really really liked it. I mean, I really f- uh, I, I really think it was an, uh, an exciting episode. I mean, uh, the the killer uh, was uh, his name escapes me right now, but. Uh, the guy with the maze in his uh, house. I mean, that was pretty clever. Uh, I felt the tension. I mean, we all know that Dexter was going to save um, save the day by s- saving Deborah from him. But I mean, I think it was clever. And I, I again um, like the like the way that Dexter handled himself in this episode. I mean, he he. He tried to convince his sister that he was doing the right thing, he, even though she told him it, 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 he didn't do the, did the right thing. He really tried. I mean, I think it's going to be exciting to see the next episodes, um, see what's going to happen. Um, well, and uh, not to pat myself on the shoulder, but I remember I so- said something in the first episode about the body that we did that Dexter um, threw out from the from his uh, boat that we didn't see him dismember it, and I said something about that. I had an idea that the the body was going to be found and be a a problem for him. Okay, I was not. Completely uh, accurate in my prediction, but uh, because at the time I didn't know anything about the GPS tracker in in the uh, in in the <laughs> in the in the in the bracelet, but uh, well, I was sort of right. I mean, I don't think they're gonna recover the body. I don't think Isaac and his guys are gonna use a, a whole team to find the body. But uh, it was interesting to see that. Uh, that I was uh, that that came to life, um, and uh, very brave again by the writers to uh, let let the bad guy, the big bad of this season, find out who Dexter is and and what he's what he's done. So I think that's very brave. Uh, I know they talked about it on the the official uh, Dexter podcast uh, wrap up, uh, where they talked about. Uh, writing themselves into a corner and I think they're they're doing that and I think from the start I I, I think they have been very brave in the decisions first of all to let Deborah find the truth from the start and the almost the whole truth about Dexter and now that the big bad has found out who Dexter is so um, yeah loving the season um, talk to you later bye thanks for your comments again Casper unfortunately 
Uh, this voicemail got missed last week. The file didn't make it through on the email that Casper sent and ended up missing the boat. Uh, so apologies for that. Casper, you talked about Lewis's departure. Of course, in that scene, once Isaac was on the boat with him, <laughs> Lewis was never getting away, was he? <laughs> but about him being killed off so quickly this season, new information has come to light. The Dexter Wrap-Up podcast this week revealed something about that, and it doesn't sound like it was a pre-planned, creative decision. As you'll remember, when I spoke to Josh Cook, he was starring in a play on Broadway, and at the time, I very nearly asked him how he fits in filming Dexter with the play. I thought maybe he'd fly back and forth, and, and maybe... You know, if he needed to do two or three days filming, he'd get his understudy to cover for him. But I stopped. I stopped myself because I thought, if he'd already finished on the show and I asked him this question, he'd find it very difficult to answer without giving something away. As it turned out, my diplomacy was proven to be right. <laughs> Scott Buck revealed on the podcast that Lewis had to go sooner because Josh was in this play. For the scenes he did do... Josh had to fly to LA on the Sunday, shoot on Monday and then fly back to New York on Monday night ready for Tuesday's performance and it was going to prove very difficult to fit this in with the regular shooting schedule but additionally the director of the play was insistent on Josh growing a full beard for the role which obviously didn't fit in with Lewis Green's appearance. They couldn't just show him with a full beard overnight so all things considered, they agreed with Josh that he would leave the show and they'd write out Lewis. Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder what they'd have done with him if he'd stuck around. But the writers did confirm that his motivation was just that he'd looked up to and respected Dexter as someone astute and with great insight into serial killers. Someone very good at their job. And his opinion mattered. He didn't realise the personal significance of the prosthetic hand to Dexter, Lewis that is. Whether they'd have developed Lewis's background into something more sinister if he'd not left the show, we'll never know. But what they showed us, it does all fit, it's all plausible and I'm okay with it now, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> Thanks Casper. We have an email from the enigmatically named Ari... Ari? Ari the Invincible, and he emails to say a couple of thoughts on your most recent casts, which I'm enjoying tremendously. Thanks, Ari. He says, any thought to bringing Dokes back from the presumed dead should be squashed immediately and decisively. The bringing back the long dead but popular character trick is the last resort of writers for dying soap operas. Is he thinking of Dallas, I wonder? <laughs> Sorry, I interrupt. Ari continues... And it would make the Dexter staff the laughing stock of the industry. None of them would ever work again. You took issue with the GPS leading to Dexter's boat, suggesting that there's no reason for the gangsters to assume that the same boat would continue to be docked at the same place days later. In fact, at every urban harbour like Miami's, there is every reason to assume that the same boat would continue to be at the same location. Boats don't just pull up and dock at a random available space in a busy US harbour. Rather, the owners of boats are obliged to rent a spot at the dock, known as a slip, and typically rent the same slip for years. 
Had Lewis not conveniently been sabotaging Dexter's boat when they arrived, the gangsters could have inquired of the harbour master who is renting that particular slip, though of course this would have been a less exciting scene. Daring predictions for the future. LaGuerta will figure out that Deb has been covering for Dexter and will begin blackmailing Deb as there is more to be gained by doing this than by turning her and Dexter in. Dexter will kill the corrupt LaGuerta for Deb, for which Deb will reluctantly thank him. Dexter and Hannah are slated for a relationship, of course. It will become starkly clear to Hannah that Deb is more important to Dexter than she is, and crazy Hannah will ultimately kill Deb out of jealousy, prompting Dexter with much ambivalence to kill Hannah, even while he still loves her. Realising that he brings only pain and death to those he loves, Dexter will kill himself, but not before making arrangements that make clear that Harrison will grow up under the able care of Batista, who has always wanted a child, and Batista's new wife, whom we are yet to meet, but who will join the cast later this season. Thanks, Ari. You're not associated with the writing staff, are you? <laughs> you seem to have the whole run-in of the show planned out there. Although I remember Batista does have a daughter from his first marriage. But those are strong words about the writers, should they bring Dokes back from the dead. Like I said last week, I don't see it happening myself, and as you seem to agree, we'll leave that there. About the GPS query from last week, I accept what you say. Maybe if Josh Cook hadn't had to leave the show, Lewis wouldn't have been on the boat to be killed by the Ukrainians. They'd have just found it and looked up the owner, maybe. You did include in your email a chunk about Lewis and that his ultimate demise and portrayal as a snivelling geek who can't take criticism was like a crass relegation of his character and a screw you to Mr Cook from the writers. Alright, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but again, some tough words, and I don't mean that as a criticism to you. It's brilliant to get some strong opinions. It's good. I enjoy it. But I don't think the writers would screw his character as a middle finger salute to the actor. I don't think they'd do that. And as we know, if, if anyone who's heard the interview, Josh Cook is a really nice guy. No, I, I don't think they'd do that. It's looking likely that Lewis was never going to be very integral to the wider themes of the show. So Josh leaving, it didn't scupper the season in a major way, did it? But I like your theory for the future, with LaGuerta blackmailing Deb and putting herself in Dexter's sights. LaGuerta's no stranger to blackmail, and she might see it as a way of getting rid of Deb, who, remember, she never wanted as lieutenant in the first place. She could then help her old mate and ex-husband Batista and promote him. I suppose Dexter and Hannah are destined for some deep relationship. Whether that becomes sexual, I'll leave our friend Travis to comment on. But, but who knows how screwed up Hannah is and how she'll respond to Deb. That's all to be revealed. Thanks, Ari. An email now from Mike Judson who says, Thought I'd write in with a quick theory about Quinn. I believe that Nadia is going to say to Quinn that the Ukrainians want information about Dexter, which will reignite Quinn's suspicions. Maybe we will see Quinn and LaGuerta team up, as LaGuerta will probably know that Quinn is a bit dodgy and maybe won't want to involve Batista, as he's Dexter's friend and she may want to protect him. Thanks, Mike. The Quinn thing, the suspicion thing, was just dropped in Season 5, but... 
but Dexter had bailed him out and saved his ass from being done for murder. But there was strong evidence for Quinn's suspicions to be aroused, and if Nadia mentions the Ukrainians are looking for Dexter Morgan in connection with Victor, well... I mean, Quinn doesn't have any current beef with Dexter, but if LaGuerta then approaches him about the butcher case, or if Dexter himself maybe gives Quinn a reason to be pissed, well, who knows? Thanks, Mike. Did you kill all these people? I did. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Right. Are you a serial killer? Yes. On to feedback now that has come in since episode 4 aired. So this is all feedback following on from Run. Firstly on the Facebook page, Heisenberg White posted, What a fantastic episode. It was so good that I forgot Lewis is gone. I did not realise that the earring had the shape of a rounded maze. I love when we get to know little details of the people Dexter puts on his table. I guess it's time to say goodbye to the bloodslides. Of all the things Dexter did, I think Deb was right when she said keeping trophies is sick, and Dexter decided to control that part of his ritual by getting rid of them. Maybe he won't use a kill room next time. Close to the ending of the episode, Deb says, Did you do this for me? Dex says, No, I did it for the fans. Welcome back to good old Dexter. Thanks, Heisenberg. Obviously, you're paraphrasing and reading between the lines there. <laughs> Dex, Dex's replies. <laughs> no, I did it for the fans. He did, didn't he? Did it for us. <laughs> Janelle Gaylard posted on Facebook to say, Great episode. Loving the raw nature that this episode had, with Isaac's icy persuasion of the bartender and the heartbreaking realisation of his lack of choice. This season is taking risks at every turn. Loving Ray Stevenson's performance. Just great. I especially loved it when Deb asked Dexter if he killed Speltzer for her. The look on her face was almost as though she was torn between wanting him to confirm it and wanting him to deny it. I do secretly believe on some level she did want him to say yes. Just imagine what her psychologist would say after that conversation. Lastly, the Hannah tension is building. I think Dex will become fascinated with the fact that she has quote-unquote reformed. She definitely had more involvement in the killings than she's letting on. He is a moth to her flame. I predict some moth flame frenzied action in episode 6. <laughs> Thanks, Janelle. Sandra Pisa said, Good episode. I really liked the different views on male behaviour. Batista and Quinn at the suicide crime scene. Batista, a man that cheats, does not have the family photos on the wall. He does not have to, they're far away, something is not right here. And then Quinn saying, he is a guy, they're on the wall, why bother to take them down? In a few sentences, they explain the main differences between them. Great. And a good thing that Harrison is out of town, now we don't have to worry about him anymore. It seems that Dexter is changing his MO. He didn't wrap up Speltzer, bye-bye bloodslides, and a new way of disposal. He clearly wants to show himself that he does not need the rituals. But does he? Thanks, Sandra. This was the feedback that I alluded to earlier about Batista and Quinn. It was a nice juxtaposition of these two very different men. Hi, Gareth. This is Dave in Ohio calling uh, about episode four, Run. Um, gotta say, I'm really enjoying the season so far. It's uh, developing nicely. Um, 
I think the the Ukrainian mob story started off very slow, and and I agree with a lot of the uh, the, the listeners and viewers who said it was uh, very generic at the beginning, not as as interesting as maybe it could have been. But it's it's starting to get a little bit uh, uh, more of a Dexter Dexter storyline feel to it uh, slowly. That said, let me start off with the bad news. And the good news about the bad news is it's very small and minute bad news. Did not like Dexter showing up in Deb's, I guess we would call it daydream in the tub, showing up as a groom, you know, asking, will you take me, um, sort of flashing back to the whole Deb's in love with Dexter storyline. Um, and then also later on when they're talking at Deb's house, uh, there was just that really contorted dialogue between them uh, that just, I've watched it a couple times, and where they say I do to each other, um, boy, it just seemed like the writing on that was so labored and contorted in order to get them to say I do to each other. Boo, I say to that (laughs) little scene. Um, uh, Look, we're dealing with Deb trying to accept Dexter for who he is, uh, uh, let's forget about her being in love with him. That mountain's just too high to climb at this point. They've they've got some stuff to deal with. That being said, I'm loving the interaction and the dialogue and everything between Deb and Dexter as uh, Dexter struggles for acceptance from Deb and as Deb struggles, struggles with accepting Dexter. Um, on that point, I really like how they made the you know so-called weekly kill um, of you know Minotaur Man uh, a two-episode story arc. I uh, can't think off the top of my head where they've had just sort of a weekly kill, you know, a throwaway bad guy be a two uh, two-story two-episode uh, kill. Maybe season four with the guy he tried to frame up. The truck driver he tried to frame up that may have been over two episodes, but um, I think they did a great job with that. Um, I, what I liked most about it was Dexter used Speltzer as a way to get Deb to understand him and and therefore accept him and what he does that he is you know has value. He first tried appealing to Deb's logic, saying. He's going to kill again. I can stop him more efficiently than the legal process can. And that was working really great, especially, you know, they finally caught him, they got him to confess, and then it's thrown out on a legal technicality uh, kind of thing. And, uh, you know, but Deb was still having trouble with the idea. You know, yes, the legal system's not perfect, but we have to keep working with it. And then in this episode, episode four, at the very end, Dexter brings in Deb, and now he's appealing to her emotional side. There he is. He's dead. What are you thinking? How do you feel now? Uh, because the logic of it did, uh, of his previous attempt didn't sway her over. And we're starting to see. I don't think we could say yet that Deb actually accepts what he does and who he is. Um, but, boy, that's sort of a one-two punch. Logic, emotion. Um, The other interesting thing about that is through this episode, Dexter became much more 
uh, confidence, standing up for himself instead of trying to weasel around and be like, oh, I've, I've got caught. What do I do? He's he's sort of standing his ground. You know, he's going to be the father of Dexter. He is in control. You know, I believe was one of his quotes. Um, and also, the interesting thing is, not only now is Deb implicated in Travis's killing and covering that up, also in Speltzer's. It's going to be harder and harder for her to turn Dexter in without implicating herself and having to turn herself in, because now she is a part of Speltzer's murder. Thanks, Dave. About the negative point you raised, when Dexter appeared in the dream dressed as a groom, I too thought, Oh no, <laughs> they'd obviously not completely forgotten about that. And perhaps the dialogue later on, both of them saying I do, might have been a little unsubtle given the groom image earlier, although I must admit I didn't read too much into that at the time. Yes, Dave, again Deb becomes a kind of accessory after the fact. The kill of the week spanning two weeks, that's rare for the show, definitely but I liked it. It made the eventual kill mean a bit more, but more than this, as you say, it served a much bigger purpose for the main plot of the season, which made it far more significant than many previous kills of the week, which have sometimes been pretty much throwaway victims with no bearing on the broader scope of the show. But Speltzer, he just played perfectly into Dexter's hands, didn't he? Into the code and into his argument with Deb, demonstrating his purpose. Okay, an email now, Jessica Bronson, who was bouncing around her living room the other day when she got a tweet reply from Jeff Lindsay <laughs> after she invited him for a Dexter viewing party. I was going to bring the bacon and blood oranges, but unfortunately I couldn't get a flight. Jeff Lindsay, who of course we all know is the creator and writer of the Dexter novels, is at Dexter Jeff, J-E-F-F, on Twitter. Jessica emailed to say, Finally, Deborah asks Dexter about Rita's death. I'm glad the writers finally opened that door. During their conversation, it almost seemed as if, at first, she didn't believe Dexter that Trinity had killed Rita. Now all that's left is her asking about Dokes. I'm actually pretty surprised that this hasn't been explored as of yet. I would have thought that Dokes being framed would have been some of the first questions Deb would have asked. Hopefully in the next episode or two we'll get some more Bay Harbor Butcher Case reopening storyline. When that happens, Dex is going to be boxed in from so many angles. Isaac hunting him, LaGuerta hunting the butcher, and Deb watching his every move and questioning him every step of the way. It's going to be great because, as we all know, the show is best when Dexter is in danger. Also, very glad to see that Aster and Cody finally got a mention after a season and a half of their absence being ignored. On a side note, I'd like to know how Dexter lucks out and nannies who are willing to take an eight-hour round-trip drive off to drop off his son, let alone with his dead wife's ex-husband's Paul's parents. Technically speaking, they're of absolutely no relation to Harrison at all. Just a little weird to me. Deb going after Speltzer outside the funeral literally made me laugh out loud. They couldn't have casted that guy any better. He was just so creepy. I don't know if you've read any of the Dexter books, but Speltzer kind of reminded me of one of the villains that was written about. Did anyone else have this thought? Dexter in the kill room with Speltzer was hilarious. 
I loved the performance Michael C. Hall gave. You know what I'm talking about, the yelling of, Fuck! <laughs> Season 7 has had a lot of dark humour, just like in earlier seasons, and it's great to see. This was another emotionally charged episode for Dex and Deb. I'm hoping the ending means that Deb is going to come around and not necessarily join Dexter, but be more accepting in what he does. The two of them sitting in the car outside of the crematorium was tense. I love the line Dexter said to Deb about her being human. Makes me wonder if Dexter is maybe beginning to see himself as more human too. Thanks, Jessica. We've joked about Dexter's nannies before. That's one dedicated nanny there in Jamie. Whatever's Dexter's, whatever Dexter's paying her, it's not enough, is it? <laughs> and you're right about the grandparents. They are the natural grandparents of Astor and Cody, but not Harrison. Hey, maybe they're just good people. And no, I've not read any of the Dexter books. I do have a couple of them on my bookshelf, but I'm saving them for when the show's done. But I did enjoy Matt Gerald's performance as Speltzer. Hall was indeed funny and scary at the same time with his... Scary because he was in dark passenger mode and about to kill, but he was obviously making fun of Speltzer, mimicking him like he was some kind of Neanderthal. <laughs> so it did make me laugh when I saw it. Hello Gareth, this is Deanna. I've sent you a few emails in the past, but this time I thought I'd try voicemail, so here it goes. I just finished watching episode 4 titled Run, and I am really enjoying this season. I was initially pretty worried when I heard the show was going to run for another two years, um, that it might start to feel too drawn out or overstay its welcome. However, we are getting packed episodes, and the writers are managing to string those plots out and weave them together, and I've been surprised at the end of every episode when when we're at the end because the episodes are just flying by. Sometimes when there's a lot of stories for the writers to tell, viewers will start losing interest in different threads. But there are shows on TV that have managed to, to weave all those different threads together really well, like Game of Thrones. And I love it when writers can get all those plates spinning and keep them spinning. I hope the Dexter writers are able to keep it up. And Gareth, if they hadn't finished filming Dexter before your podcast aired, I would swear they listened to us and made some changes to the script. There were uh, some concerns about Harrison and myself. I decided that I was just going to ignore the fact that Dexter didn't actually seem to physically parent Harrison in any way on screen. And Jamie is a far more forgiving nanny than the Irish nanny back in season five. So when this episode arrived and Dexter manages to send Harrison off for a visit to Granny's, I'm really okay with that. For a show like Dexter, Harrison is in the way as anything other than a philosophical touchstone for Dexter. The day-to-day -day joys and trials of child-rearing are really boring and mundane to anybody other than the child's own parent. So Dexter viewers want to see the kill of the weak and the big bad, not Dexter getting interrupted while making phone calls and things like that. Speaking of which, I wonder how much time I have before my little guy gets home. <laughs> um, Deb finally started asking questions about Trinity. Smart questions, questions we would have loved to ask. But I was surprised that nothing came out about Lundy, though. Uh, Deb really, really loved him, and Dexter was 
inadvertently to blame for his death. But I guess we still have one and three quarter seasons left for that. I'm hoping something comes back. I really like Lundy. Dexter didn't really answer in any detail her questions. He did say he loved Rita and that he had killed Trinity. And the whole discussion came back outside the station. Dexter says he can protect Harrison. And then Deb reminds him that he'd been too late to protect Rita and he was moments from being too late to save her. So Dexter and his illusion of control. This is definitely going to be tested again as LaGuerta and Circo close in on him. Another listener commented about it being time for Dexter to clean up the evidence. And la voila, Dexter incinerates his slides. It's good. He let go of his security objects too. I really like the actor playing Circo. Nothing is more menacing than that calm, calculated evil. When he told that dance dancer about his music teacher or the way he spoke to that poor bartender telling him to kill himself for his family, it had me riveted. He tells his sidekick, no need for threats, like he's protecting him. Sure, yeah, everything he's saying is a threat. So he's doing a really great acting job, and I look forward to seeing him on screen. <clears throat> well, Gareth, thanks so much for your Dissecting Dexter podcast. The work you put into your weekly podcast is really appreciated. I like your recaps and your listener feedback, and it enhances my Dexter experience. So thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thanks, Deanna. The show's in a tricky position with depicting Dexter as a parent. You're right that the daily activities of just being a parent are very mundane and boring to anyone except that particular parent or parents. We might reasonably assume Dexter's spent a lot more time with Harrison than they've actually shown us on screen. But the point of that scene this week with Jamie and the toys, I think was to illustrate that Dexter doesn't know his son that well. And I like to think the body language I mentioned earlier was deliberate too. Dexter is just not the ideal parent. It really isn't a healthy environment, Deb's right. They don't spend enough time together, and it's sad. As a parent, I'm sure like me, Deanna, you feel for the little lad. They did spend time positioning Dexter in a normal, quote-unquote normal, <laughs> domestic situation in earlier seasons, putting conventional domestic obstacles in his way. It served a narrative purpose and furthered Dexter on his journey to what he perceived as his holy grail, his goal of being normal and human. You could argue that he tried and failed here, and ended up accepting the hand he's been dealt. Clinging on to Harrison was maybe a vain hope that he could still achieve it, if only slightly. But his selfishness, his following the dark passenger, has always taken priority. Thanks, Diana. You had some good comments there and hope to hear from you again. On to an email now from Writer Gal, who says, In the episode 3 podcast, you asked what I, as a writer, thought of the Lewis character. Thanks for asking, you made me feel useful. <laughs> as a viewer, I loved to despise Lewis, but as a writer, I suspected he was simply a red herring, a throwaway storyline, so I wasn't surprised when he got knocked off. There has been a throwaway storyline or two in every season, and they're so inconsequential that I'm having trouble remembering any of them. But I do remember cops who popped up and then just disappeared, and story threads that petered out without consequence. I think I'm safe in saying that those are written into, one, mislead viewers, 
two, detail relationships, three, give the other actors something to do, and four, kill time. There's a distinct difference between a mystery, a whodunit, and a thriller, though both are usually about murders, crimes, etc. In a mystery, the viewer races with the detective to figure out who committed the crime, think Sherlock Holmes. Dexter isn't a mystery because we always know who committed the crime, but in a thriller, the good guy, who in this case is a serial killer, races against the bad guy, who has been the big bad in each season, in a war of wits to see if good, Dex, will rise from a point of near destruction to conquer evil, big bad. But in order to prevent that race from being as obvious as the noses on our faces, a writer must toss in red herrings, love affairs and challenges of the week to raise the stakes and keep the game interesting, and to keep us from seeing the entire big picture all at once. Lewis was an exceptionally effective red herring because they introduced him early in last season, and he was so obviously tied into the secret world of Dexter's past, the painted fingernail hand, the writers designed him to make us ask, does he know? Is he a killer too? They did well. Just as each season has a plot arc about reaching the goal, it also has a character arc in which the protagonist grows and changes. This season will bring Dexter a new intimacy with Deb, even deeper than what he had with Lumen, because he and Deb have shared a past. And now they see each other clearly. This is a natural evolution, and I'm sure it will have its ups and downs, but it's going to be interesting. I do have an idea about how I'd write the series ending, but I'd hate to even verbalise it, because it's bittersweet. And as a viewer, I really want to be surprised. Thanks for the great job you always do. Your listeners always give the best feedback. Thanks very much for that writer, gal. You're spot on there. I get some amazing feedback, and... It's, it's a highlight of my week, <laughs> going through all your theories and comments and whatnot about the show. Brilliant. You're right that many characters and storylines have been included as filler, and the show has certainly been spinning its wheels for a while, as I think it was Alan, Alan Sepinwall put it. But look at how the quality has gone through the roof now they've been able to engage gear put the foot on the accelerator and press on towards or building towards the end game with stories they've probably had in mind for years but not been able to pull the trigger on and you make some good comments about Lewis I don't know if he was always intended to be a red herring of sorts someone to just intrigue us and get us theorizing certainly not in the light of in light of the news about why Josh Cook left the show but whatever the plan was he was definitely someone who got us talking, and for that alone you could argue that the character was successful. Unlike I've talked about, certainly for me, he was perfectly plausible, even down to his sudden exit. Hey Gareth, Ken from Pittsburgh calling in, uh, just talk about Ron. Uh, great job by the writers, of course, um, but you know, you're going to talk about that. I want to just give a shout out to the costume designers and uh, the set designers, because... Um, I mean, Spoucher's written great, but to see his labyrinth the way it is, um, to see, like, his helmet, there's this really, like, sickening, homemade, just really nasty look to everything, and that really helps build Spelter as a villain, you know? And uh, everyone needed to do the best job with Spelter, um, because you needed Spelter to be this fantastic monster of the week, 
um, to pull Dev and Dexter together when Dexter disposed of him, you know? Uh, so, great job. They did an amazing job with Spelter. He's going to go down, you know, in Dexter history, you know, and farewell to the Bloodsides, right? Man, I seriously thought Dexter was going to burn that guy alive. Um, which even for Spelter, that would have been rough. Um, I'm sure... I. I'm going to be surprised if no one else mentions this, but uh, were you distracted by the uh, the new cop this week? Um, when Quinn visits the foxhole, uh, he also rolls up with his new detective, who IMDb lists as Detective Angie Miller, played by Dana Wilson. Um, I, for the life of me, can't figure out why they didn't just send Quinn and Batista in. Um, they've been together all those times before when busting the fox also really i i don't see uh why that's there um if you missed it if you somehow weren't caught off guard um by this new detective um, this is the scene where she first showed up good afternoon everyone i'm detective quinn i'll be your official pain in the ass for the day can we get that music turned off ladies to the left customers to the right keep behind the bar Ma'am, need you to go ahead and stand over there. Officer? That's Detective. Detective Quinn. Do not tell me you are fucking her. Oh, what makes you think that? You're not the only one who's a detective. You really think a stripper's a good idea? No, it's a horrible idea. And, um, yeah. Weird to get an important uh, evaluation of Quinn from this new detective we know nothing about you know it's really um really almost feels like uh like those were lines written for batista and i don't know why they weren't given to batista um and uh, i want to play uh just one more clip from this episode um this time from isaac uh while he's mourning the loss of victor and uh, I want everyone to really pay attention to the music um, because the music really is an uh, emotional key to the scene. sympathetic for Isaac you know even after he did all the horrible things he's done in the last two episodes um because you can sympathize with the loss of a loved one whether or not um Victor is um Isaac's secret son or if Victor is Isaac's lover you know either way you can sympathize with the loss of a loved one and wanting to get revenge um to this point to the extent that Isaac's taking revenge, 
you know, a little sharp, but still. Um, it's better than what we got uh, for Jordan Chase and Travis Marshall. You know, we really haven't had any reason to feel sympathy for our villains since Trinity. Um, so it's about time, you know. And uh, that's wheat. <laughs> that's wheat. <laughs> that's it for this week. Um, really good episode. Like, definitely up there in, like, all-time Dexter episodes. Definitely up there. And uh, I hope everyone else felt the same way. Uh, talk to you next week, Gareth. Bye. Good call there about the production design for Speltz's Labyrinth. They did do a great job of constructing a disturbing and terrifying maze claustrophobic, full of sharp objects and edges to trap the unwary, or trap Deb as it transpired, and the Minotaur head, obviously connecting with the labyrinth concept, the the lighting and the music, it, it all made for a very unsettling sequence. And good call there on the new detective, you spotted it like I did, and, and, and were intrigued by it, and, and I'm intrigued while they've brought in a new actress to have that conversation with Quinn and she got a line or two later as well. I mean, we know it's cheaper. We know it's cheaper to hire an actor for a non-speaking role than to hire someone who has lines. So they must have cast her for a reason. I wonder if she's being gently brought in to then get bumped off later. Maybe she gets in Isaac's way. And nice comments there about the music. Actually, the music was really effective all episode, as it so often is. The bit that jumped out for me particularly were the subtle notes in the final scene in the car. And you'll have caught some of it in the clip I played at the end of my uh, review. And actually, kudos to you, sir, for being the first listener to include clips from the show in your voicemail. <laughs> Obviously, no one's under any obligation to, to do that themselves, but um, it did help illustrate your, your points there. You're right about the music during the scene in Victor's apartment. That was also very effective. And it was very emotive. And coupled with Stevenson's performance, it did a good job of encouraging maybe just a little bit of understanding for his motivation, if not empathy for his loss. I stopped short of saying actual sympathy, of course, because, let's face it, he's a cold killer and a bad man, right? Thanks very much, Ken. An email now from Danielle in Australia, who says, What an episode. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Great suspense and tension. Funny moments, tense drama between Deborah and Dexter. I didn't want it to end. I really like the use of the camera in this episode. The scenes of Isaac with the poor, hapless bartender were very interesting to watch, and the perspective made me feel almost like I was in the room, but also made me feel a bit off balance. Great match with the whole scene, which was so evil and wrong. One thing I am confused about, why was Victor's apartment a crime scene? For all we know, Victor was never reported as missing and the police have no idea about him, so what's going on there? I am assuming that Victor was Isaac's lover and that this was or is a secret. The hidden photo of the two of them in the Greek Isles is a big clue and I suppose the other clues as to Isaac's persuasion were his obvious lack of interest in the girls in the strip club and his good dress sense including a few pink shirts smiley face. <laughs> it certainly explains why he's so passionate about finding Victor's killer. I just love it when Dexter goes a bit crazy in that scene where he disposes of Ray. He was positively scary. The dark passenger is free of all the shackles and I certainly wouldn't want to come across it. Interestingly, whenever Dexter has been able to be open 
and honest about who he is, he seems to be relieved and happy that he's free to express his true nature and discard the mask. Now that he's being so very honest with Deborah, it only seems to be causing him angst. And I suppose that's because of the nature of their relationship. Plus, she's making him confront more than a few hard truths. Can't wait for the next episode. Thanks very much, Danielle. Some very valid points there. I can certainly help you about Victor's apartment, your question about it. That guy they interviewed, what was he called? Tony, was it? Who got the screwdriver in his eye? He named Victor uh, in interview. And then the next episode, Deb was asking the team in the team briefing about how they were doing about, and she called him Victor Baskoff, fuck what enough, <laughs> if you remember. So the police certainly knew about him, and it makes sense they'd have searched his apartments, and evidently Victor was keen to keep his and Isaac's relationship under wraps, going by the hidden photo. Thanks, Danielle. Another email from Sandy in Seattle, who says, glad to hear... Glad to still hear your podcast with the new season. I agree about episode four being great. Probably the first one where I finally felt hooked and ready to go on this ride because I was disappointed at first with how Deb found out about Dex. I wanted her to put it together on her own behind his back. But I'm coming around since the second half of my wish is playing out and that's seeing her struggle with how she feels about Dexter now in light of what she knows and how she's struggling with her duty as a cop. I'm finding it interesting. And at first, I was bored with the whole Ukrainian story, but after what they did to that poor bartender, I really want Dexter to do what he does best where those creeps are concerned. Lastly, the kill scene at the end. I'm blanking on the character now. It felt like the old Dexter that I loved. Witty, funny, cool and dangerous. So, great episode. Thanks, Sandy. Yes, indeed, it really was, and you're not... Others have mentioned this about the Dexter of old, and it, it really was. It, his performance there harked back to um, the good old days. <laughs> Interesting, you've only just got properly hooked by this season. But better late than never. As you know, I've been right there since the beginning of the season. We've talked about the virtues of having Deb work things out for herself about Dexter. How maybe... Well, we discussed whether the writer shortchanged her, maybe shortchanged her intelligence as a detective, that she didn't work it out for herself and she had to discover Dexter by stumbling in on him. But they have kind of met us halfway. In that first episode, she spent time piecing things together for herself, didn't she? Culminating in her ransacking Dexter's apartment. The whole struggle she's wrestling with now it is fascinating to watch, and it's good to hear you're enjoying it now. Thanks, Sandy. Holy shit, Gareth. I mean, holy shit. That's my first comment. And this is Kim from Las Vegas. It's been a while since I've left any sort of message, but somehow this season, it's been a while for me, uh, they are finding a way to make each episode better and better. It's been a while. I mean, I'm going to always be a Dexter fan, but since season four, I haven't felt like they've been able to top episodes, episode after episode, but holy hell, they're doing it now. And even with the way that Deb reacted at the end of this episode, I still feel like she's going to take a step back because even though she felt relieved at the end, she's still someone who feels that morally she shouldn't 
want or desire to kill someone or accept someone killing someone even if she feels like that person should be killed so i still think she's gonna take a step back but geez holy shit that's all i gotta say talk to you later hi kim i remember you <laughs> hi kim i remember you thanks for calling in again Holy shit, he's pretty darn close to my reaction <laughs> when we saw Deb sitting in front of Dexter's blood slides and kill tools. This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. It helps me control the chaos. Hey Gareth, it's Matt from Weldon here. Uh, I keep missing the boat on every um, episode, so I'm kind of playing catch-up at the moment. So, um, first of all, episode three, Buck the System. Great episode, once again. Uh, Michael C. Hall and Jennifer Carpenter are crackling and just stealing every scene they're in. They're just playing it magnificently. I believe everything that they're coming out with and everything that's being said and done. They're really carrying the show forward. And it was great. I'm really enjoying the episode. The pacing was fantastic. Um... The maze room was a little overdone, I felt. You know, I didn't know if that was possible to achieve in a small house. But I'll let it slide, because actually it was pretty cool. Uh, it also reminded me of uh, the Dexter novels, uh, Dexter in the Dark. I think somebody mentioned it last week. Um, you know, it wasn't a bad reminder. And it also made me think of Stan Liddy from season five, his quote about, you know, you mess with the bull, you get the horn or something. Um, it made me think of that and I couldn't help but laugh. Um, and then there was the sad bit. Lewis, what a waste. What a colossal bloody waste. And that's all I'm going to say on that. But I did kind of laugh when the first thing they show you in the recap is the uh, get rid of him moment. Uh, I thought, oh, that Gareth's squirming already. So, yeah, that was a waste. Um, then the next episode came along, and it was great. They finally addressed some stuff. Uh, the Reese situation finally came up, and I was like, yes, they've discussed it. And Deb didn't hold back. She said the things that, you know, she should have said. You know, you got there too late. You know, Harrison, you should give him up. You know, and I thought it was nice that Dexter wouldn't. I don't know if it's selfish or whether that's going to come back to haunt him or what, but I can get it. I understand it. And I think deep down he probably loves his son. And I just wish at some point he gets to be more in that vein. Um, again, I thought the stuff was felt so it was great, um, really nicely paced out. It was nice to have a kill that lasted more than one episode. I think the only other time we had that was Little Chino, so that was nice. Um, anything else that I can think of? I think that's it, apart from um, Wendy West. I think she was the one that wrote the episode, was doing a bang-up job with this thing. The dream sequence of the bathtub of blood was brilliant, and Batista, i got to give a call out for David Zayas, played the interrogation scene brilliantly. They both did. It was tense and on a knife edge. That had me drawn in, watching every moment, enjoying it, and I thought they played that brilliantly. I do want to talk about Isaac briefly. Um, trying to work out how he stands with Victor. Is he his brother, father, or um, are they lovers? That would be an interesting twist, a gay mobster. That would be interesting. I wonder if anybody's thought of that, but 
with it being Showtime, who just pick up things, build intrigue, and then drop it, he's probably just going to be a really good friend. But um, I'm hoping for something a little bit interesting. Looking forward to more episodes. Speak to you soon. Bye. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, Michael C. Hall and Jennifer Carpenter really are doing great work. I foresee Emmy or Golden Globe nominations in their future. (laughs) And it would be long deserved for Jennifer Carpenter. (laughs) About Harrison, like you, I don't doubt Dexter loves his son. And I do really hope at some point he can get to be something resembling a normal parent. Deb doesn't seem to think so, but let's hope that can change. Thanks again, Matt. On to an email we press on, ever forwards. It's Mike Herkham from England who says, What a great episode. It really had a different feel than the last few seasons, I thought. Like the show has found its direction again and is making the most of each minute of screen time they have. I liked that Deb finally asked the question about Rita's death and whether Dexter had any involvement in it. I think this is the kind of continuity we've been hoping for, and this season they've been doing it well right from episode one, with mentions of Dexter's past kills and Deb's flashbacks to being on Brian's table. I hope that they continue to have Deb realising things and talking to Dexter about the past, perhaps asking questions about Brian, Dokes, the Skinner, Miguel and Lumen even. Deb's interrogation was one of the most intense scenes I've ever seen on Dexter. So, so tense and nerve-wracking, waiting to see how Speltzer was going to react to her taunts. And it really showed how effective Deb can be at her job, getting into the mind of a criminal and getting the result that she wanted at the end. I think this episode did a really great job of building up Deb's hatred, disgust and eventual frustration at the system for letting Speltzer go free, which really made us root for Dexter to do both himself and Deb a favour by getting rid of him. The final scene in the crematorium with Dexter and Speltzer was brilliant. I loved it when Dexter screamed... right back at him in his face. It was great seeing Dexter have some fun and relish what he was about to do, as no one has deserved it more than this guy. I'd even argue that Speltzer was more of a challenging villain than Travis or Jordan Chase were. This was what I liked about this episode. They gave Dexter a genuinely challenging villain that could match him physically and was a sick fuck to boot. By saying goodbye to his blood slides, I feel that this is a new beginning for Dexter, perhaps ridding himself of the trophy aspect to what he does. I'm purely focusing on ridding the world of criminals who evade the system. This is the way he seems to have earned Deb's approval, so by sticking to this ethos it gives him a way to fulfil his urges and have a relationship with his sister at the same time, which is perhaps what he has been hoping for all of his life. By removing Harrison from the show for a while, it frees Dexter up even more to do what he does, and I think that can only be a positive thing. Dexter, as a dedicated father, was never as believable and demonstrated as it should have been, and it tended to annoy me as a viewer rather than feel more protective of Harrison. I think that Dexter functions better as a character when he doesn't have someone restraining and distracting him, like Rita and Harrison have done in the past. So I look forward to seeing a more focused Dex for the rest of this return, for the rest of this season. Harrison could always then return later this season, perhaps with Astor or Cody to take care of him, or even at the end of the final season. So overall, this was a great episode and made me really proud to be a Dexter fan. It was tightly written, everything on screen seemed to have a purpose, and even Batista, Quinn and Masuka had some good screen time. 
I think as a whole it showed what the show is capable of now that they have a direction to go in and now that the dynamic is different with a main character like Deb knowing about Dexter's secret I really look forward to where this season could go and think this has the potential to be the best one yet. Thanks Mike. I really have to agree with you. It, it does make you feel proud to be a Dexter fan again. It's almost been sort of semi-sheepish the last couple of years with the yep we've said it the below par seasons five and six it's been difficult sometimes to to defend it in face of all the criticism that's been leveled against it but hey back on form now yeah the interrogation scene it it really was a highlight of the episode you knew batista was just trying to soften him up before deb came in to play on speltz's dislike of women and mummy issues very well played and acted Getting rid of the blood slides was a big moment for Dexter, saying bye to his little friends. <laughs> He's always cherished these, but Deb was right to point out that keeping trophies, it is a bit sick, isn't it? As if killing and chopping up people isn't. <laughs> but keeping trophies made him more like his victims than he cared to think about. So by getting rid of them, he's sort of setting himself more apart from them. Maybe he'll tell Deb what he's done to show her that he's making an effort to change. Mike in his email also talked about Isaac and Victor, sharing mine and others' opinions that they were probably lovers. Staying on the British theme, we've got an email from Alex in Bristol. He says, let's get right to it. This episode seems to pay homage to the great fourth Dexter season. I love the bath dream sequence. It brings back the creepiness that old seasons of Dexter did a lot more. The Deborah-Dexter relationship this season has become fantastic and interesting. The car park scene with Deborah and Dexter arguing about his lifestyle was one of my favourite parts of the episode. Also, the scene with Isaac convincing the bartender to shoot himself still reminds me of Jordan Chase's manipulation tactics. The May sequence was great, with Dexter fighting the so-called bull. The theory of Harrison being shut out of the show is being more apparent with the plotline to let Harrison go to Orlando for a few weeks and not state a clear amount of weeks so that we can track how long he'd been gone. This episode I'm glad that we have a return of the kill room and seeing probably the most honest we've seen Dexter this season in my opinion. But I was surprised that he got rid of the slides. With the final scene with Deborah becoming a tiny bit more accepting of Dexter I do wonder perhaps... Deborah, whether Deborah might want to see Dexter in his kill room doing his ritual perhaps. The one thing that I like about this season is that writers are leading us into different options of how this season and the final season will end. Thanks Alex. Yes, they really are setting things up, but not in a way that we can easily or accurately predict what will happen. Funny you were reminded of Jordan Chase in that barman scene. Well, I myself thought of Trinity making the mother top herself. Perhaps this is to be a season with lots of mirror images like that. And we've seen several already. Sandy Marshall has emailed in again from Ireland and she says, I felt like the momentum was largely lost in this week's episode. Maybe perhaps I'm feeling this way as I don't really care too much about the Ukrainian storyline. The first 30 minutes of the show didn't really do it for me this week. This week, my mantra, Dexter the dodgy daddy, is flaring up. Why the hell wouldn't he drive his son to Orlando? It's only about a three-hour drive. I know, I know, I'm starting to be a fussy pot again. Perhaps the words Deborah had with him might make him buck up a small bit. 
I'm hoping the writers give us just one scene of him being a dad to Harrison. Why, I don't know. On with the positives. Speltzer, what a brilliant bad guy. So powerful and creepy, but no match for our Dexter. I wonder, did the writers miss a trick by having the title of the episode Stay instead of Run? Perhaps Stay would have made us wonder more. Run was a bit obvious from last week's episode when it was written on the wall. I noticed again that when Deborah and Dexter have a heart-to-heart, it's normally in a darkened room with minimal lighting. Think back to the season opener in the church and in Dexter's apartment when he talked. He walked in with Deborah sitting there with all his kill gear. This is bringing me back to studying my English exams using light to represent goodness in the world. Are we starting to see a bit of the writer's hand, so to speak? Will Dexter be reformed by the end of next year's finale? I hope not. Also notice that the writers went back to flirting with Catholicism this week, the grey-white smoke coming from the chimney of the cemetery. Is this representing a new beginning for Deb, similarly the way the the Catholic Church have white smoke for a new pope? Could this new beginning be Dexter getting a sidekick in Deborah? No, you're, you're right, Sandy, and thanks for the email. You're right, Dexter not driving Harrison himself is another negative. Although Jamie said she was going to hang out up there for a bit, so if Dexter drove, how would she get back? But then, if Dexter had driven, she wouldn't have had to go and could have just amused herself somewhere else. We have had scenes of Daddy Dexter, perhaps more last season though. In fact, yes, definitely last season, not this season. And certainly not enough to indicate to us that he's much of a hands-on dad. Like I said earlier, the chucking out the toys scene implied that he's not. He's not the hands-on dad. A nice spot there about the lighting in those scenes. I'm sure a lot more thought goes into the production and details like that than perhaps we give them credit for. And good spot about the smoke. That didn't occur to me. I don't know if they had something papal in mind when they did that sequence, but how they set it up certainly lends itself to your theory. Yo, G-Money. It's your boy T-Bird. I'm about to talk at you about uh, Dexter, Season 7, Episode 4, Run. Um, I feel like when I first watched the episode, I feel like I wasn't completely sold on it. I knew it was a good episode, but I, I feel like I had like some reservations about it. But that was a few hours ago. Since then, I've had some Count Chocula cereal. And I feel, uh, I think, I, I don't know, I feel better. I don't know, I can't really think of a lot of things I really didn't like about it. It was certainly, I still think it was a good episode with some of the spectacular final two scenes. Uh, am I right? I'll, I'll, I'll get to that later. But um, I, I think just, I want to just firstly, you know, it's heartbreak after heartbreak. Last week, we lost Lewis. Oh, gosh. And now this week, I don't know why, I'm really bummed that Dexter burned his blood slides. Uh, he seemed to be able to move on, but I have some, like, a naturally strong sentimentality towards them, and I can't really explain it. I don't know, I just feel like, Dex, those are your, that's your life's work, you're just tossing it. That's your, that's your legacy, even more so than your children. When they're gone, when everybody's gone, when the humans die, those blood slides will still be there. People will know, Dexter Morgan did this, and you're just gonna throw that away? Ah, Dex, bro, give them to me, I'll hide them or something, man. Oh, man. So I was bummed about that. I don't know if anyone else was, but I was bummed about that. Um, what other, what else about this episode? I noticed Miami Metro got uh, some new female cop, just kind of out of nowhere. They even gave her some lines, so, I mean, that's good, I guess. I mean, they didn't really explain, you know, uh, I believe 
last time in season six when we got a, a new detective, it was all about like Deb had to interview the best candidates and do all these things, and you know, we ended up getting Mike Anderson. But no, nah, just this new female detective is just going to join the ranks with nobody talking about it at all. You know, hey, whatever. I don't really care, but I thought that was inter- I thought that was unique. Um, I was legitimately fearful that uh, Deb and Dexter were going to end up macking on each other or something when they were alone together. You know, like when they were not in the beginning, but like when they were in Deb's apartment or in or in Deb's car at the end. I was really afraid. I don't know if anyone else was, but it was just like they were too close, too quiet, too intimate, you know? Like, oh, bro, brother. Um, uh, I feel like if they never introduced the uh, storyline of Deb falling in love, which, of course, they did reintroduce in this episode. However, if they never introduced it in the big be- to begin with, I feel like uh, those scenes would have been a lot more touching. Like, I don't know. I just didn't like having that in the back of my head. Like, what's, what's Deb doing? Uh, they would have been more touching. Certainly, I feel like the scene when Deb was like, oh, you killed Ray for me? You know, remember, like, oh, you killed him for me? I feel like that's, like, the maybe Deb thinks that's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for her or something. And I just feel like, oh, man, why why am I worried that Deb's going to put her tongue on Dexter's face right now? Oh, man. Um, this episode was pretty funny. I think it had some really funny bits. Um, I, maybe it's cliche to to describe something like this, but it was very, like, season one-ish. I don't know, that is too cliche. But Dexter had some funny things that he said, like, uh, when he was running in the maze, you know, and he had that line about, like, oh, I, you know, I don't run, I make people run. That's a pretty shitty line, actually. That sounds too corny. Like, I, I make people run. Okay, whatever, dude. That's kind of a mouthful to say, but okay. But then when he followed it up with, like, they you know, I'll run with an, from an axe with a bull, or strike that, reverse it. That was funny. Uh, I think it also had... The funniest, like, kill room since maybe season four's kill room with Zoe Kruger when, you know, it was like, what's with you and rape? No one's raping anybody. Uh, when he was, you know, imitating Ray Speltzer and yelling at him and then the line where it's like, oh, I'm going to kill you. And Dexter responds by like, oh, that would be a twist. I thought this that was really funny. I was really happy with it. Um, additionally, about this episode, I'm sure I don't need to state how great it was that Deb finally brought up Trinity and Rita. She kind of didn't let it go. So that's great. Uh, so... I guess that's next. I mean, I think it'd be... Even for Dexter now, I think it'd, it'd be wishing too much that she brings up anything about, like, Miguel Prado, whom I love. Because uh, I guess it's really not that important. Didn't really affect Deb or Dexter's life that much, I guess. But, hey, a girl can dream, right? Um, also, surely others are going to bring up, or at least you will in your in your feedback, Gareth. I'm assuming we're to believe Isaac is gay. Now, of course, they didn't explicitly state it. But, I mean, that's kind of like the vibe I got. That's how I'm interpreting it. And if that's the case, hey, well, I think that's great. Uh, Showtime is a equal opportunity offender when it comes to portraying different kinds of assholes on TV, I guess, right? And it'd certainly be refreshing to see a, a gay villain who isn't some sort of sexual deviant or pervert or something. So, hey, and it's cool if Isaac's gay. You know, that's, it's all cool in the gang. I do like Isaac. He's a total cold-blooded killer. Uh, getting that guy to kill himself, no doubt. Uh... I don't like George. I don't like his buddy. I don't like his face. I think he sucks at his job, and I don't like his hair, especially. Um, Hannah, you know, fucking Hannah. Uh, Dexter and her didn't haven't fucked yet, unfortunately, or no, fortunately for me. Uh, I mean, perhaps unfortunately for for Dexter's dick, but uh, Hannah and him haven't fucked yet. But 
she's still fitting in the role as Dexter's guest star buddy very nicely. She's already inexplicably opening up to Dexter about her past in incredibly intimate detail for no reason, despite the fact that they've spoken only once before. She's essentially Brother Sam with a set of tits and a not completely convincing American accent. Oh, hello, Dexter Morgan. How are you today? I don't know. That man, maybe I'm exaggerating, but Americans back me up here. She, she ain't the best. Am I right? Uh, anyway, uh, aside from that, uh, there's just some little things that bug me about the episode. I'll get through them quickly. Um, the whole suicide scene where the guy committed suicide, I think I would have believed the suicide more if the bartender didn't live in some sort of well-furnished Spanish colonial-style hacienda, you know, complete with stereo system and widescreen television. Uh, you know, I'm to believe that this guy couldn't afford to bring his family to America, but he's living in fucking, uh, place like that. Like, yo, dude, uh... It's called, uh, you know, Roommates or something. An apartment. You ever heard of it? It's a lot cheaper. I don't know. Uh, I was a little displeased at the, with the rationale of getting rid of Harrison in this episode. You know, the dude had to go. Harrison needed to get out of there. But Dexter's rationale was it was just until he can kill Spelter. Uh, for real. And he was just so convinced, I gotta kill Spelter. He's a loose end. Says who? Theoretically, Dexter could have just let him live. Gone for the rest of his life. Spelter didn't know anything about Dex, but I don't know. I don't know. Uh, with, with Harrison gone, does this mean the end of Jamie as well? Uh, who knows? I doubt it. I, they'll probably give her some more bullshit to deal with with Batista or something. But um, Spelter getting his getting his confession taken off the table or whatever because he maybe, kind of, maybe, sort of not understood his Miranda rights? I doubt that. I don't know any, a lot about law, but would any judge realistically do that? Uh, this dude straight up, like, confessed to murdering these people, and because he, like, nodded, or maybe he didn't, like, ah, come on. This seems like judges in any TV show, certainly in crime procedurals, only exist to make our protagonist cop characters make their lives shit. Am I right? Who else watches TV shows? I don't know. Anyway, I think that's it. Uh, last two scenes were really great. Uh, I don't know where the season's going. Uh, I'm excited to, to hear what's happening. You're the man, G-Spot. <laughs> G-spot. <laughs> well, that's a first. I've been called a lot of things in my time. Ah, that's got to be your funniest voicemail yet. Thanks very much. Count Chocula cereal. I'd not heard of that, so I googled it. Chocolatey goodness. Looks like my kind of breakfast. Something else I learned from your message. Macking on each other. <laughs> I like that. I knew what you meant, though, because, funnily enough, the thought honestly occurred to me, too. I didn't think it would really happen because, of course, Dex has no idea how Deb feels, or thought she felt, and I doubt he's ever fancied his own piece of the Debmeister, but the way they looked at each other and that pause in the conversation, <laughs> yeah, the thought popped in there alright. But you're right about the season one feel, particularly the kill scene. It was really good and it had that dark humour we loved the show for back in the day, back in the beginning. You also mentioned Harrison. Of course, we know there's the extra danger from Isaac and his cronies, but Dexter has just been aware of Speltzer. He thought of him as a loose end, and yes, he could have just let him live, but how could Dexter let him go? He'd threatened Deb. He wasn't going to stop killing any time soon. Dexter knows his type. He fitted the code perfectly. He had to go, so Harrison's gone for a while now, along with Jamie, but I'm sure we'll see them again. You make a good point about the judge letting Speltzer go because of the Miranda mess-up. 
Yeah, technicality. And it does seem ludicrous that a man who confessed to murder and clearly presents a danger to the public would just be released like that. Now, I'm no law expert, but to my mind, crazy things like this, you do hear about them happening. It's the letter of the law, and on the one hand, the judges are just abiding by the law, even if that means you know, generally publicly unacceptable decisions get made. But I don't know why the police couldn't have just arrested Speltzer again, immediately outside. OK, the judge maybe dismissed the earlier confession, but, you know, they would have had... I don't know what I don't know what the regulations are, whether they get 48 hours to charge or release, but, you know, they could have had another 48 hours, maybe, to, um, uh, to question him further and spend more time trying to gather evidence and you know they could have spent time working on it and maybe got a result uh, at the second attempt i mean it's not like double jeopardy where he'd been tried and found not guilty thanks very much travis mike lanich has emailed in and he says well dexter continues its amazing run of excellence which now stands at four consecutive episodes a string of greatness that hasn't been seen in at least a couple of years with so much new territory to explore, there almost seems to be a feast of ideas and personal journey that has been missing in the show until this season. The scene with Deb in the tub full of blood in the beginning of the episode, eerily mirroring Rita's death scene, was a masterstroke, immediately bringing to Deb's mind questions regarding her death and Dexter. Questions we've wanted her to ask since the end of last season. And we got just that in the next scene, when Deb ordered Dexter to take a coffee break and confronted him about Rita in the same alleyway as last week, asking him how she died, whether he did it, if he ever really loved her, and if he was even capable of love. I love his reply, I love you, and asking her whether she ever questioned his love prior to walking in on him at the church. It was also nice to see Trinity brought up and Dexter admitting to killing him. So Ray Speltzer got off on a technicality. It's nice to see the show justifying their storyline decisions with reasons that are accurately represented, like the Miranda rights issue setting Speltzer free after Deb managed to get him to acknowledge his guilt from last week's episode. I love the scene with Deb and Speltzer. It gave Deb a chance at being the old Deb. In that moment, she was the old Deb simply getting another guy by sheer force of will. And we managed to get some real insight into Ray's character. In two minutes, I was more invested in Ray's reasoning for his compulsion to kill than in all of season six regarding Travis Marshall. Another good Dex-Deb scene, is there ever a bad one, with Deb asking whether Harrison would be safer from Dexter's quote-unquote lifestyle choices by living with those saintly grandparents. Regardless of Dexter's resistance to the idea of letting Harrison go, he does, although supposedly temporarily. Somehow I think that if you ever leave the show as a child, you rarely, if ever, get to come back. From here on out, it might be a rare appearance by the little tyke. Travis will be very happy about this development. I'm loving Ray Stevenson's Isaac more and more each episode. He's totally British and proper, but brutally cold. His forcing of the barman to kill himself and take credit for Mike Anderson's murder was an oddly chilling yet touching scene. You get the feeling that although Isaac is a cold killer, the man's family will indeed be taken care of and not want for anything from here on out for the man's sacrifice. Do you think he and Victor were lovers? Brothers? I'm thinking more the former at the moment. 
brothers wouldn't need to hide a photograph like he did. It's also why he's so keen to get revenge. I don't run, I make people run. However, I do run if there's a bull coming after me with an axe. One of my all-time favourite lines. We got another Hannah scene. I certainly got the feeling that her past will be up for some serious debate soon. Speltzer's death scene certainly marks a new road for Dexter. Maybe incineration is the new way to go. Letting his slides go was tough, but maybe moving on is now going to be the key to Dexter and Deb moving forward. A question regarding Scott Buck. Last season he was blasted, and rightly so, for a Dexter season with nearly no redeeming value at all. It was so bad, I was really surprised that he was allowed to continue to lead the way. Now this season, although still clearly, although still early on, is shaping up to be one of Dexter's greatest seasons. Do you think that it's a result of the writers stepping up their game, or do you think that anyone with this amount of new material and territory to explore should be able to churn out a great season with what's available to them? Thanks very much, Mike. It really is shaping up to be one of Dexter's greatest seasons. You, you're absolutely right. And you're in, in your email there, a uh, good point about Travis Marshall and how more effective Speltzer's depiction was. And Mike, you give Isaac more credit than I did. <laughs> I agree, he's totally charming and disarming, but cold and brutal. I don't know if the barman's family would be taken care of. I like to think they would, but the guy's so cold. I don't know. They've not shown him specifically as being a man of his word, but it would be a nice touch if they did. I think we'd respect him a little bit more. And yes, I'm sure there's a lot more to Hannah than we know. I've not seen any previews, but I would not be surprised to find out that she was more than just Wayne Randall's girlfriend slash accomplice. And you're points at the end there about Scott Buck. I wonder if he was allowed to stay put because this season was an open goal waiting to be scored and better the devil you know and Scott Buck's been around for a long time on the show. But how could this season not be better than the last couple of seasons? And Buck maybe made promises to Showtime of some great things and exciting progressive storylines as we're indeed getting. Whether anyone could have written this season I don't know. I'm sure there are, well there are, there are plenty of good writers out there who could have done something, but the crew we've got, most of them have been there since the early days and have been with Dexter, the character, through thick and thin. They're the they're best place to understand the character and the dynamics of the show and where they want to take it. I'm quite glad we've not seen any big changes in creative personnel that we know of. Thanks again, Mike. Before we go to our last email... I've just got to slot in here one more voicemail to play, but it's feedback referring to the start of the season and would have been played oh excuse me would have been played sooner, but it arrived after I'd already started recording, so apologies for it being a little bit out of place, but here's Ian in Bristol, England, with his voicemail now Bristol, I wonder if he knows Alex. Gareth, hi, it's Ian from Bristol here. Um, I've joined the series a, a few weeks late, so I've been able to watch two out of the four so far. So I'm going to give my comments on, on just the two episodes I've seen to date. Um, they'll probably be out of date by the time you, you, you um, put them on your show or, or that you, read the, uh, you hear them. Um, but these are my comments anyway. I'm, I'm willing to be totally wrong. That's the nature of the game, isn't it? Um, so, so far, um, I love the cliffhanger at the end of the last series but I think the, the cliffhanger at the end of episode one uh, was even better. 
Um, I think it's one of the best Dexter scenes ever seen, seen dead there with all the, the kind of Dexter's paraphernalia, the uh, slides and the, uh, the ice truck killer hand and his knives and things laid out on the table in front of her and kind of just that question, are you a serial killer? Um, it's just fantastic. It's exactly how I wanted it to be. Um, so I'm really happy about that. Um, on a totally different note, um, I think uh, Dexter is continuing to prove what a terrible parent he is. Um, days seem to go by without him ever seeing Harrison. Um, Astor and Cody are never ever mentioned. Um, and it's really odd now that Debs has kind of moved Dexter out to her apartment. Um, what, where does Harrison live? You know, who looks after Harrison? It just seems to be a bit of a mess. And I wish that the writers would sort that out. It's a bit of a distraction from the main story. Um, I like the, the, the scenes with, with Lewis. Um, the first one where, where Dexter attacks Lewis in his apartment and lifts him off his feet. Um, Lewis looked totally petrified. I, I was expecting him to wet himself. Um, that, 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 was, that was quite interesting. But then in Dexter's apartment, when Lewis kind of wandered in and took a beer from the fridge and, you know, tousled Harrison's hair, and that was quite, quite, quite threatening. Um, I think it could be quite interesting the way that the, the two characters kind of fight over the entire series. Um, I, I think that Lewis has underestimated what Dexter is, and I wonder if Dexter's underest underestimated Lewis as well. Um, that's, that's looking like it's going to be interesting. Um, I, th I think the worry I have for this series, so far we've seen quite a lot of gore. Um, we don't seem to see that much gore in the previous seasons, but in, in, so far we've seen the, the screwdriver incident and we saw the truck death as well. I just hope that the gore element doesn't doesn't uh, um, overpower the, the, the rest of the story because I think the, the power of Dexter isn't in what you see, but it's in, in the nuances and, and what you think has happened and the dialogue between the characters. It's never really been about the gore, I don't think. Um, okay, so on to my wild, crazy predictions. After just two episodes, this is what I think the series is going to look like. Um, I, I, I pretty much guess that LaGuerta is going to be dead by episode 10. In fact, I'd even go as far to say it probably will be episode 10. That's about the right, the right time for a character like that to die, I think. Um, I think um, Lewis will, will continue to fight with Dexter, and I think Lewis will, will fight dirty. We've seen in uh, you know that he got his previous business partner locked up for child porn, and he's cancelled Dexter's credit cards. So I wonder what he's going to do to discredit Dexter or, or set him up for a fall in some way. Um, so that could be quite interesting, seeing that happen, uh, and how Dexter gets out of that. Um, I think Lewis will ultimately be exposed as a killer. Um, and I think it's interesting, in the episode two, um, where Dexter finds his video blog, and he sees the, the stripper. The, the, the stripper had a, a large, prominent tattoo, just, just exactly the right kind of tattoo for identifying a corpse from. So I expect bits of the... the, 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 the uh, um, sorry, not the stripper, sorry, um, the prostitute. I expect um, bits of that prostitute to, to end up somewhere and uh, Dexter being able to identify her from the tattoo and putting two and two together that it was probably Lewis that did it. But we'll see where that goes. Um, I wonder if, if, if Lewis would, would claim it's kind of research for the game that he's developing. I, I don't know. Um, okay, the, uh, it's all death with, uh, with Dexter, isn't it? Another death for my prediction. Um, Nadia, the stripper, um, I think she'll be murdered by the Ukrainian gang for talking to the police. I wonder if Quinn will be set up as a suspect for that. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's been a bit too close to her and he's starting to make a relationship with her. And we all know that as soon as a character makes a relationship in Dexter, that someone's going to die. Um, finally, 
Um, my final comment is we know the FBI are going to reopen the Bay Harbor butcher case. Um, whether Dexter will be a suspect or, and whether he'll have to find a fall guy to, to be the Bay Harbor butcher again like he did with Dokes, I don't know. Whether he chooses Lewis or Quinn or, or anybody, it could be LaGuerta he chooses, I don't know. Um, actually, that'd be interesting if it was LaGuerta, wasn't it? Because he could uh, kill two stones with one, two birds with one stone there, couldn't he? Anyway, we'll see what happens. Um, anyway, loving, this, loving your podcast, uh, Gareth. Uh, I'm sorry that I can't call in every week. Uh, I'll try and catch up as fast as I can so I can kind of uh, join in the game of uh, predictions and get. Whoops, <laughs> got cut off there at the end. But it was fun hearing your hopes and theories for the season. Thanks, Ian. Obviously, we're all listening to you, knowing what happens for the next two episodes. And by now, by the time you're you're hearing my response here, you'll be up to date and reassessing one or two of your theories. But I agree that the future doesn't look too bright for Nadia and LaGuerta, at least. Cheers, Ian. On to Nick Henderson now, who's emailed in with this. Wow, what an episode. This week delivered some powerful performances from the cast and ended on a chilling note that will go down as one of my favourite scenes of the entire series. Deborah's dream sequence this week was really well done and served as a natural transition into a conversation about Rita and Trinity, a conversation I know many of us have been waiting for since 701. It was interesting to see Dexter approach the question about loving Rita and surprising to see him come back with, I love you. I really enjoy seeing Dexter come to terms with his humanity as the show goes on, but they can't just keep having him tell her that he loves her to get that point across. If he loves Deborah, not necessarily on a romantic level, some kind of sacrifice must be made to show her. It would be an incredible turning point for the series and an appropriate turn to take now that we are so close to the end. Hopefully he can do something to show her that he is willing to make a major sacrifice to protect her, such as killing his own brother in season one, which would go a long way in progressing both of their characters and pushing the show towards a conclusion. The interrogation scene between Deborah and Batista and Ray was fantastic. I loved watching the two characters tackle the situation with such confidence. I could feel the underlying friendship between the two of them as they worked together to play off of Speltzer's hatred for powerful women. The relationship between Deborah and Batista has always been one of my favourite dynamics in the show outside of Dex and Deborah. I really hope they continue to build this up as the show draws to a close. Hopefully they will find some way to make that relationship mean something in the end. It would be a shame to see another interesting side story get swept under the rug and forgotten. Dexter's romp through Speltzer's maze was fun to watch and I really enjoyed Dexter's commentary throughout. This entire scene was twisted and intense in ways that the show hasn't really been in a long time. It was a great build-up to the terrific kill scene at the end of the episode. While Speltzer certainly fit the bill for a kill of the week, he felt like something more. Not only was he a more intimidating and menacing target for Dexter, but he served a very important purpose in helping Deb to understand Dexter's darkness. Speltzer's death at the crematorium was another strong kill scene for the season, but it makes me wonder when we'll get our first proper kill room this season. He has yet to hang any plastic sheeting this season. Dexter's antics at the beginning went from hilarious to downright scary, and his delivery of the killing blow was immensely satisfying. For a second I thought he was going to kill him by simply pushing him into the furnace, but that brutality could have been could have ultimately driven a wedge between his character and the audience, so I'm glad they didn't go that route. I'm still shocked that he was able to incinerate his blood slides. 
Does this mean we won't see any more cheek slicing on the show? That would be very strange since it's one of the most recognisable elements of the character and the show as a whole. With that said, something tells me that he will return to his cheek slicing ways by the end of the season, or at least by the end of the show. Lastly, the final scene in the car with Deb ranks high among my favourite scenes of the entire show. I was worried that Dexter might have been too presumptuous about how she might react to yet another admitted killing, but it was here that Speltz's purpose became clear. She seemed, to, she seemed like she might finally be able to understand the merit of Dexter's process. The chemistry between these two continues to shine in this scene. Deborah's reaction when Dexter asked her how she felt was genuine and heartfelt. When Deb asked if he did this for her, I appreciate that the writers remain true to the character by having him simply say no. Of course, all of that pales in comparison to the final exchange in the car, which I think serves as an amazing allegory for the entire show. What does that make me? Human. In one single exchange, I feel the writers have finally managed to put into words why this show and why this character is so appealing. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Nick. Fantastic thoughts as always. Your first point there about Dexter maybe needing to do something to demonstrate to Deb that he loves her. Perhaps he did by burning the slides. She said they're sick, so he's got rid of them. That's a big gesture when they've been his little babies for longer than we've known him. Deb, Deb and Batista. Yeah, I enjoy their relationship too. A surrogate second big brother. Batista being the kind of brother that Dexter isn't. David Zayas talked about it on the latest Dexter wrap-up podcast. Batista being better able to support Deb professionally. About the Speltzer kill. Looks like quite a few of us thought the same, that Dexter was going to just push him in and burn him alive. But I too, I'm glad he didn't. But I also wonder if we'll get another conventional kill room, maybe down the road, if or when Deb reaches an acceptance of Dexter and lets him proceed. Perhaps Dexter will get reorganised then. And that final scene. Personally, I think that Dexter was completely correct, saying Deb was human to feel glad that Speltzer was gone. If this was real life, and we knew someone had done such heinous things and was now no longer breathing, I think we'd all rest a little easier. Some will say that any life lost is sad. And from a certain point of view, maybe on a spiritual level, that's true. But when, that's, when that person was so obviously evil and wicked, I'm not sure I find that so sad. Not personally. Obviously, Deb's perspective was a bit different. She couldn't look at it in any detached kind of way. She was properly involved. Speltzer was even going to kill her, or he threatened to. As a police officer, she'd worked to get a confession out of him. Done a good job, but then her work was all for nothing. Now the guy's done and won't be able to kill again, and she's glad. I'm glad. Hey, maybe I'm human too. <laughs> but you're right. You're absolutely right with your analysis of the conversation. Really well acted and written. It reminds us of why this show, why we all fell in love with this show, why we all got so hooked on it in those early days. I got goosebumps at that scene's perfection, even on the rewatch. Right, well, thanks everybody. That was a real bumper crop of feedback. It was on a par with uh, feedback for a finale, I think. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Thanks everyone. If you want to get in touch with me for next week's show, 
you can email dissectingdexter at gmail.com where you can also send a voicemail if you like. You could also ring directly in the US. The listener line is 646-222-6122 and in the UK it's 0844-579-6949 and with the UK line you enter mailbox number 08320 when the voice prompts you. You can also get to me via Twitter, it's at Dissect Dexter, or my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK. And there's also the podcast Facebook page. Go onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter, and you'll find it. You can like, you can post, you can make comments. Uh, I would ask that we don't discuss uh, any spoilers for forthcoming episodes. Uh, obviously, if I do spot anything, then... Um, I'll, I'll remove it, but um, please, please avoid uh, posting any spoilers. And, and nobody has, so, so that's all good. But, you know, just saying. <laughs> this is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. It doesn't matter what I do. Born in blood. Both of us. Now, if you enjoy the podcast, but maybe don't send in feedback, and that's perfectly okay, but maybe you'd still like to support the podcast in some way. I mentioned earlier that you could leave me a, a nice five-star iTunes review, and that does help. But you could also support me through my sponsor, Audible.com. They're one of the leading online purveyors of audio content with a catalogue of over 100,000 titles covering all subjects, fact and fiction. They're offering listeners of Dissecting Dexter a free audiobook download and you can choose anything from their catalogue. All you have to do is surf along to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. And when you're there, sign up for a free, no-obligation, one-month trial, and you can then download your audiobook. It's that easy, it doesn't cost you a penny, and in doing so, you'll be helping me out and supporting the podcast. Thanks. Next time. Dissecting Dexter. The next episode is called Swim Deep. And I've not seen any previews and don't want to, but it really is about time they had LaGuerta working on a butcher investigation again. And of course, we'll be keen to see the fallout of the final scene and all those crazy, crazy, confusing thoughts flying around inside Deb's head. This podcast is running very long again, so I'll keep this brief and just say that because I'm on holiday next week, there won't be a normal podcast. However, while I'm making no promises, there might still be something coming through on the feed. So make sure you refresh iTunes next week in case something appears. I'll say no more than that. No promises, though. The week after... We'll see the halfway point of the season, and I'll be taking a step back. I'll still be doing an episode review, but I'll be taking a step back to reflect on the season so far, hopefully with the help of some guests. So stay tuned for that, but as always, keep your feedback coming. I read everything, and as you know, I always do my best to cover it all on the podcast. That's why some of these podcasts go on so long. I don't want to miss anybody out. And with that, another podcast draws to a close, finally. It's been a marathon, but uh, some fantastic feedback. It, it, it's brilliant going through it all. I love it. 
Right, so, as I say, I'm on holiday next week, but it won't be long before we're dissecting some more Dexter together again. And until then, thanks very much for your continued support, and I'll speak to you soon. Take care, guys. Cheers for now.